uh, in the month of January, we've been going through Where Am I series taken out of Genesis chapter 3 when the Lord asked Adam, Where art thou? And we took the first part of the year to discover, ask ourselves, Where am I with God? And on the second Sunday, Where am I with God's Word? And last Sunday, Where am I in terms of worship? And today we're going to talk about where am I in terms of fellowship. Psalms 133 verse 1 says, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Everybody say unity. We need unity. We need to strive for it. Strive for it. You know the Bible condemns strife in a church. That says there's some things you should fight for and there's some things you should fight against. You should war against strife, but you should strive for unity. Work hard at being unified. Somebody say amen. This is what unity is like. It's like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. It's like the anointing. Everybody say the anointing. Unity is like the anointing. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I'd like for that to happen every time we come together. Man. I'd like to take the 50th day after uh, Passover, that was Pentecost. I'd like to take that feast day and make it every Sunday at the Apostolic Church. Where we are so unified together in one mind and one accord that you can't help to hear the wind blow and the fire fall and everybody that's there is filled with the Holy Ghost. Somebody shout Everybody. Acts chapter 2, skipping down to verse 42, and this is what happened after that. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. Doctrine is important. And fellowship. Everybody say fellowship. And then he defines fellowship. They broke bread. Isn't it great that we can eat together? (laughs) Aren't you thankful that that's one thing apostolics can still do? (laughs) I mean, we try to stay away from other habit-forming diseases, but this is one we're glad the habit is uh, habitual. (laughs) Breaking of bread. And in prayers, everybody say eating and praying. Yeah. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were... And had all things common, they sold their possessions possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Did eat their meat with gladness 
and singleness of heart. That means unity. Gladness and unity are inseparable. In fact, let me say something. When you feel like you're unified with the body, you're going to be glad to be at church. We make joy some emotion that God blesses us with if we get real close to Him and we forget about everybody else. But you know what? Joy is connected with unity. You cannot be at odds with folks. You can't go to Christmas dinner with your family and two, you know, two or three brothers are fighting with two or three sisters and when you get to that Christmas dinner, you don't want to be there. Not much joy there. You know where there's laughter and there's joy and people's joking with each other? It's where they realize we're brothers, we're sisters here. So joy is not, Lord, restore my joy. I'm going to pray until I get my joy back. No, joy has to do with your connection with this body. I'm glad to be in church today, and I'm glad the rest of you are. Amen. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord. Look, wouldn't you like the Lord to do this? He added to the church daily, such as should be. He didn't say he saved people daily. It says he added people to the church that should be saved. You know what? God wants to bring people here to be saved. So, and, oh, I don't know about you, but I want the Lord adding to this church and saying by doing that, I want to save this person, I want to save that person, and I want to be willing to make a place for them to inhabit. Well, clap your hands under the Lord right now. Let's praise Him. One more time before we enter the Word today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise You. Turn to your neighbor and tell them fellowship is important. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated in the name of the Lord. Today I want to focus on the church as a fellowship of people. A fellowship of people. If you missed Wednesday night, you missed some of the most revelatory preaching. <laughs> I would have said that if somebody else would have preached that. I had to tell somebody, you know, what I, what um, the Lord began to work on me, and I just want to reiterate this. Uh, Paul talked about the church of the living God when we gather together. He said, when you gather together, something unique happens, the body comes together. He said, in fact, let me describe it this way, and he used bodily terms. He used the analogy of a hand, an ear, an eye, a foot, and there are other uh, things that he mentioned. And in mentioning that, he said something happens when you come together to worship God in, in an assembly. He says the eyes come in and they need the ears. And the ears come in and realize they need the hands. And the hands are there and they realize we're not going to go anywhere unless we have some feet. <laughs> Thank God this is not a connection of all the ears. This is not a convention of all the hands. This is not a convention of all feet. This is a body that is fitly joined together. And I'd like to say, if you weren't here today, I would miss out on something. 
That's what Paul is saying, that if you are not here today, that a part of the body misses out on something. So I need you at the outset of this service. I don't know where you are in your mind, but I'm asking you to get here. I'm asking you to forget about where you're going, forget about what happened all week at home, forget about what's going to happen next week at work, and this body needs you here right now. Turn to your neighbor and tell them we need you here right now. Now, in regard to that, let me say this morning as I introduce this sermon, the great governor of the state of Louisiana made this quote And I heard him this week because of the issues we are having now in this country with immigration. Notice what happened. It got real quiet. Let me say this, though. Let me put you at ease. I'm about to get fed up with all the other not-for-profit organizations being able to blab their mouth about everything they believe. And the church has to sit here and be real quiet. We can't say nothing because there's separation between church and state. And you can't say nothing because they're going to take your not-for-profit. All the other not-for-profits are uh, talking. Why can't the preacher talk? So let me say, I'm not saying this to represent this church. I'm giving you my opinion. Now, how's that? I'm not a not-for-profit organization. I, in fact, am self-employed. Isn't that great? So I'm on safe ground. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, my goodness, he's already at it this morning. (laughs) Governor Jindal made this statement. He made this statement. Listen, now I'm not going to get into all that governmental stuff. I just warned you with that little side note there just to be ready in case it does happen. (laughs) But in regard to this message today, where am I in fellowship? Bobby Jindal said about our nation, he said this, and I quote, Immigration without assimilation is invasion. Somebody said, yes, America is a melting pot. But we're not melting anymore. You know what that means? When people that got off the boat and registered themselves at Ellis Island, which I had a great-grandfather that immigrated from East Germany, I understand all that. We all came from that. People say, oh, I got online and got my DNA, and, and, and I'm like, oh, let me guess, you're European. <laughs> oh, you're good. No. You're Caucasian. You're from Scotland or, or Wales or the British Isles or you're from Europe. Duh. Let me save you $99. You're probably from Europe. Everybody okay? They came to this nation. They put their name. And you know what? They learned the language. But in this country, we've got this, we've got this battle about immigration. And, and Bobby Jindal said, you know what? With people immigrating, we're not against immigration. But when people immigrate to America, they need to assimilate into America. That means they need to become an American citizen, that they value this country, that they value our flag, that they value our Statue of Liberty. 
that they value our democracy, that they value our constitution, that they value the rule of law. Oh, somebody say amen. Amen. Now with that in mind, let me say to you that we are a people that's come from every part of life. There are poor and a few rich folks here. We come from all social stratas. We come from all kind of nationalities. We come from all kind of religions. But when we're baptized in the blood of Jesus, by the name of Jesus, we assimilate into a brand new nation. It's called the kingdom of God. I immigrated from the world into the kingdom of God. I immigrated from my old life into the church. I'm glad to be a part of the church. I'm for the church. I support the church. I pray for the church. I want the best for the church. And if I don't, it might not be immigration or assimilation. It might be invasion. The church doesn't need invasion. These doors are open to whosoever will. In whatever state or condition life finds them in. Whatever their position in life in regard to riches or social uh, issues. Regardless of their identity. Regardless of who they think they are. This is a place where they can meet with God. But make no mistake about it. We are not into immigration without assimilation. We do not believe in the invasion of the church. Oh, you're not hearing me. I don't believe that we ought to be trying to look like the world and act like the world. Oh, no. This is the church of the living God. I've been brought out into a marvelous light. I'm going to praise him today for the church of the living God. Come on, clap your hands together this morning. Come on, praise him. I'm glad to be in the church. I'm not what I used to be. I'm a long way from where I need to be, but thank God I'm a part of the church, a living organism that can help me see God. Somebody say praise the Lord. So what I'm advocating today is not church at home. In fact, I think the scripture teaches against that. The body needs you. By worshiping together, we bring gladness to our hearts. Everybody okay? I wish God would just wipe this place with gladness this morning. I wish we just, you know, there's some of those. I remember as a kid, we had those services. I don't know what it was. It was a laughing spirit. People get to laughing. I think, what are they laughing about? Got my attention. I was a little boy sitting on the road playing with my jacks and that little... That's the games we had. We didn't need the network to be up to play our games. (laughs) We didn't need to have the wireless code to play our games. It was jacks and a red ball. Internet or not, we could play games in church, but I want to tell you something. When they got the laughing and talking in tongues and rejoicing, it got my attention. These are the happiest people I've ever seen. 
Oh, that that ought to be the way it is in church, that this is the happiest place there is. They shouldn't be more happy at the bar than we are at church. They shouldn't be more uh, unworried than, in, than they are here. This should be the safest place to let all your fears go, to let all your troubles go, to let all your worries go. Well, I'm here to forget all my troubles. Oh my, I should not tell you what's going through my head right now, but I'm sorry, I got to. I'm going to say it. We're going to rewrite the song. It's going to be, it's 1030 somewhere. No, you're not hearing me. It's 1030 somewhere. That's the time we start church. It's 1030 somewhere. I might as well worship God. Whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. They are... Come on, the reputation of the church ought to not be this is where all the quiet people go. No, this is where the joyous people go. This is where the happy people are. I'm glad to be in church this morning. I'm glad to be with all of you. Oh, somebody praise him. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord right now. One writer penned the words, no man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of a continent, a part of the main. The Apostle Paul wrote it when he said this in Romans 14, 7. For none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. Listen to that. I don't, I don't, it, do, it doesn't matter your opinion about it. Paul said, hear the word of the Lord. You're not living by yourself, and you're not going to die by yourself. Your living is going to affect somebody else and your death is going to affect somebody else. You being at church today is going to affect somebody else. Your attitude at church is going to affect somebody else. Somebody say amen. Turn your neighbor and tell them it's 1030 somewhere. Sorry. If I told you everything that goes through my mind while I'm preaching, we'd, we'd be here a while. Our God-given ministry is one of reconciliation for all men everywhere. All men. This is a place where God and man, speaking of mankind, is welcome to meet together. I mentioned it last Sunday. It doesn't matter whether you, this, you're here for the first time or you've been here as long as this church has been in existence. We are here today to reconcile God and men. And Paul's desire was to pray that Israel would be saved. He said that all of Israel might be saved. Jesus commanded us to teach all nations. He wants the world to be saved. He wants people to experience what it's like to be in the body of Christ. What an awesome responsibility for each one of us. That God wants this church bigger than we want it. No, I'm going to say that again. God wants this church bigger than we want it. I, I just got to say it. I, it bothers me when people say, well, I just like a little small group of people. I, I liked it when it was small. God wants this church bigger than you want it. He wants everybody in this city to be a part of the body of Christ. It doesn't matter what color their skin is or what their sexual orientation is. He wants them to meet him and be changed forever. Yeah. 
There's room at the cross for you. And let me say, if there's room for you in the way you came to the cross, there's room for everybody in this city at the cross. There's room for everybody in this town, in this church. Oh, clap your hands just so you'll uh, pray that you believe that with all your heart. And with that, if the Lord wants this church to be all-encompassing, if it's not his will that any should perish, then the world should be able to discern that we are the true disciples of Jesus Christ by one distinct display, by one genuine factor. And it's not that you talked in tongues this morning, and it's not how long you're, you're mo- how, how modestly you're dressed. He wants one display that the world cannot deny, and it is the display of the love God's people have for one another. Oh, how convicting, how sobering that the issue of evangelism may not be about doctrine. It may be about how we treat one another. The issue of salvation may have nothing to do with, well, they've been raised in a denomination that that closes the door for any revelation beyond that. No, maybe it is that we need to be what God has called us to be. For Jesus said, by this will everybody know that you're my disciple. It's by your love for one another. I think that begins in our house. I think it begins with how we treat one another in our house. I think that begins with how, and then goes to how we treat one another at church. Let me ask you the question, it's the focus of this sermon. Where am I in fellowship? John 13, 35, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Galatians 6, 10, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto who? Say it out loud, all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. The church ought to not be the place where we treat people at work better than we do people at church. The church ought not be the place where we treat people in business that we don't know better than we treat people in business in the church. Well, I can be late with my payment because he knows me. I go to church with him. No, you need to do good to all men, especially those that you go to church with. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord. (laughs) Well, all right. Thank you, Lord. Let's talk about the family of God. Everybody say the family of God. Let's talk about this for a moment. I I want you to realize this morning that you were, you, how many has experienced a new birth? You've been born again of the water and the spirit. Oh, how blessed you are today. Now, let me encourage you today. There are some that feel like, well, uh, the, the only quickening agent, and I, we have Bible for this, the only quickening agent in what we call the rapture of the church or the catching away, uh, the only quickening agent is not going to be your brain. It's not going to be how much you know that quickens you out of this world. It's not going to be your attendance record that's going to quicken you out of this world. You're going to have to be full of the Holy Ghost if you're leaving this world. 
Oh, man. That's a smattering of applause. But let me say, the Bible tells us emphatically that the spirit that raised up Christ from the dead shall quicken your mortal bodies. It is the Holy Ghost that's going to get you from this world into the kingdom of heaven. You got to have the Holy Ghost. I said you got to have the Holy Ghost. So, with that said, we think, well, I'm born again because that's my ticket punch to heaven. Well, I, I, I want to share with you something I believe that's very important. That we are born again. That I've been saved. I've been saved for the body. If, if I'm a hand, I believe the body needs a hand. If I'm an eye, I don't know what I, you know, I, I don't know if I, maybe I'm the mouth. <laughs> if I'm a mouth, then maybe God wants me to say something. Isn't that what John said in the wilderness when they all went out to see him? They said, who are you? And he said, I'm just a voice. That's all I am. I'm just a voice. That means everybody in this room is needed in the kingdom. God sees something in you that the body needs. Think about it. Everybody in this room comes from different backgrounds. There are people in this room. In fact, the statistics tell me that a third of this congregation, a third of this congregation has suffered some type of abuse. Think about the ramifications of that. Think about what that means to people in their emotional state sitting in this room right now. Think about what that means when they think about a father or a mother or an uncle or a cousin. Think about sexual abuse that takes place that people sitting in this room have been silent about for years. We don't need uncommitted people in the body. We don't need just an immigration of people that say I'm bringing all my troubles into the church. No, we need a new birth. You have to be born again. God wants to redeem all that trouble. I said Jesus wants Jesus wants to redeem all that trouble so you can use it for the kingdom. Did you hear what I just said? What I did not say was that God wants you to use your emotional wreck to excuse all the hang-ups you have. Well, I was abused so I can act this way. Or my dad was a drunk so I can be like this. No, he wants to redeem all of that because somebody in this body needs you. They need what you've been through. They need to know how God brought you through it. They need to know how... Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Come on, somebody ought to praise him because there's a place for you. God has a place for you. Oh, praise him right now. I want to tell you something right now. Peter asked Jesus, Peter reminded Jesus that the disciples had left everything to follow him. Everybody say everything. You can't follow Jesus dragging all your baggage with you. There's a reason you went through what you went through. Some of it was your fault. (laughs) Amazingly, some of it has to do with you. 
But the fact of the matter is you can't follow Jesus unless you're willing to leave it all. Well, I'm broken and I'll always be. Oh, no, you won't always be broken. The Lord knows how to mend that broken heart. The Lord knows how to give you the right mind. That I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. So Peter said, Lord, there's not any disciples that haven't left everything. The implied question in Peter's mind seemed to be, we've left everything. What are we going to get back? I had to let go of I had to let go of prejudice. I had to let go of abuse. I had to let go of alcohol. I had to let go of drug addiction. I had to let go of my medicine cabinet. Hello? What reward are we going to get? I like Jesus' response. Mark chapter 10, verse 29, because Peter's trying to one-up. Hey, we've left everything. What are we going to get for it? Jesus said, there is no man that's left house, brothers, sisters, father, mother, wife, or children, or lands for my sake in the gospels. But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time. Yes, he's going to get houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children. You know what the Lord said? Oh, I'm not going to be indebted to any man. If you leave all to follow me, you're going to get a hundredfold back. Well, I want you to think about that in terms of what I just read in the book of Acts. It said in the book of Acts, when the Holy Ghost fell, they had all things common. All things common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to every man that had need. Did you hear that? How in the world, Sister Amanda, did I leave all at an altar as a teenage boy? And now, in this time, I have a hundredfold back. You know how I have a hundredfold back? It's all of you. I've had people call me and say, Pastor, I need to borrow your truck. And I say, you know what? My truck's your truck. You just come get it. I've had them had, he's here today, I don't want to embarrass him. I've had them have flat tires while they had my borrowed truck. I said, hey, don't worry about it. Bring it back. I'll get the tire fixed. My tractor's your tractor. Brother Pate said, Brother Gene, I hope you don't mind. I'm taking my dog out to your property and letting her run around a little bit. My property's your property. No, it's getting quiet in here. But you think, you know, I read that verse and it says that if I leave everything to follow the Lord that I'm going to get a hundredfold back. And you're thinking about a wage increase and you're thinking about a bank account and you're thinking about retirement. But have you ever thought that it may be the treasure that you have sitting in this room right here? Oh, I'm not here just because I believe the truth. I'm not here because this is a church that preaches what I believe. Those are important. But I'm here because there are people here that I need. There are people here that need me. Come on. Come on. There's not a one of you that if I didn't have any food, you'd flood my house with groceries. I'm telling you right now, I've got more back than I ever dreamed of. Oh, somebody ought to praise the Lord right now. You ought to thank God that you're in the church. Oh, you ought to praise God that you're in this church. 
Oh, I know. I'm going to say it, man. I feel like a rooster. That's the best way to describe it. I told you, if I tell you everything's going through my head, I, I feel like I'm scratching around in a barnyard this morning looking for every bug that's invading the hen house. I want to tell you right now, I get my dander up when people say things about this church. Oh, you better believe it. I feel like turning over some tables. I feel like being angry and not sinful. I feel like saying, do you even know what you're talking about? That's the body of Christ. You can say what you want to about where they came from, how it all got started, or what kind of amalgamation they are now. You can say something about prejudices. You can say something about their modesty standards. You can even say, well, if that's where they need to go, I'd rather them go there than nowhere. Well, guess what? We're okay with being the last stop on the way to hell. I know you're the first stop. Uh, I know if they don't go to your church, it's terrible. But I'm okay being the last stop. I'm okay being the last. I'm okay if they got kicked out of every church. This is a place where the body is put together. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. I feel the Holy Spirit. I feel the Holy Spirit. You're in a wonderful church. There's wonderful people sitting around you. Oh, I know. Well, let, man, I got I to gotta get going. Let's just try this on now. I want, I want you to think about this verse in terms of your little experience. I'm going to do the bunch and breeze. <laughs> I'm thankful for my experience. I wish some of you would get a holy head snap every once in, once in a while. In fact, some of you, I just want to tell you right now. Some of you, old brother Paul Cagle, wonderful friend of ours. His granddad's brother Odell Cagle, an old-time Pentecostal preacher. And uh, his dad was a singer sang with some real famous uh, gospel quartets years ago. And Paul Ray Cagle was raised in a musical family. His dad was a singer and wanted all his family singing. So Paul Ray and his two sisters sang gospel music. They started traveling, holding revivals. And they'd hold revivals and Paul Ray would preach and the two sisters and he would sing. And one of them played the guitar and one of them played the bass guitar. One of them, the, one, the sister that played the bass guitar, she was... Uh, she was quite reserved. Place to be going up in the smoke, people shouting and dancing and running and clapping and being glad, and she'd just be standing there playing the bass. Paul Ray said, you know, we really knew we were having a move of God if our little bass playing sister would raise her hand. He said, but they were singing one night, and church was worshiping, and his little sister was playing the bass, and she stepped forward to sing in the microphone. When she stepped forward, she stepped on the, the bass, the, the, uh, the little thing that holds the microphone stand. And when she stepped on that, the microphone came right toward her, hit her right in the mouth, pow! Microphone busted her right in the lips. 
And when it busted her in the lips, she goes, whoa, like that. Paul Ray Cagle said, he tells us, he said, when she went, whoa, he said, I went one way around the church, my other sister went the other way, and the whole church blew up. He said, my sister was standing there watching us. When she got done, when they got done, Paul Ray said, boy, you got a bust. She said, no, I didn't. I busted my lip on the microphone. The Holy Ghost moved and people got excited because somebody busted their lip on the microphone. I wish some of you would bust your lip on the microphone. I'd go crazy. Man, we're having the move of God. No, I just sat on something, that's all. I was in youth, well, this is one of those things going through my head. I was in, lay it out, okay. I was in youth camp, 15, 16 years old. Back then they gave you those big old tags, your name and where your city you were from so they'd know who your pastor was. Big old name tag, big old pin in it. And I was sitting behind Marvin Poole. Now Marvin Poole pastors in Hammond, Louisiana. Marvin Poole was my, I, I called him my cousin. He really wasn't any family to me, but he's like my cousin. But Marvin had gone out, and we're in the Bible class. And here comes Marvin, strolling down the aisle. You know, he's a ladies' man. He's kind of, something got in me. I unbuttoned my little tag. Got the pen standing straight up. Marvin's walking to his seat. He turns around and gets all straightened out. And I slip that little tag up under him. Pen standing straight up. He sits right down on that pen. Teacher's teaching. And Marvin Poole jumps straight up out of his chair. And he goes, ah! People start worshiping. And oh, praise God. Marvin's coming to the altar. No, Marvin sat on a pen. That's what he's... I don't care what it takes. Every once in a while, we ought to enjoy being in church. I'm glad to be here. I hope it doesn't take that. I said, I hope it doesn't take that. But every once in a while, you need to let somebody know, I'm glad to be here because I need you and you need me. And I'm glad that I've got more back than I ever gave. tell you right now, with all of you folks, I'm thinking about dropping my health insurance. In fact, I think if I got real sick, I could say, you know what, I need $100,000. And you know what? You'd put enough spaghetti together. You'd find junk in your barn and you'd have an auction. Oh, I wish somebody heard what I'm saying right now. Jesus said, I want to tell you something, Peter. You're trying to pat yourself on the back about all that you left. I want to tell you when you get in this body, you're going to get more back than you ever gave. I'm glad to be at church. I'm not watching the clock. I got plenty of time for everything else. I'm glad to be in church today. You people are great people. Oh, somebody ought to clap your hands to the Lord. Let me, I know sound guys are going crazy because I keep coming out there and every time I do, it tries to blow up. But 
something else that's going through my head is I'm kind of laughing about the people on the computer because they know how many scriptures I have. <laughs> and I ain't close to being moving down that list. But let me read this one for you. I want you to think about it in terms of whenever you got the Holy Ghost. Sister Jeannie, when did you get the Holy Ghost? Nineteen seventy-six in May. I got it in March of nineteen seventy-six. Was a good year. Amen. I want you to look at Proverbs seventeen seventeen. I want you to look at it for a minute. I want you just to read it in the silence. It says a friend loves when all the time, but I want you to know what a brother's for. We're not talking about friends now. We're talking about brothers. Brothers are born for adversity. That means, Betty, I got the Holy Ghost because somebody's going to be going through something. <laughs> that that's what I was born for. I was born to get somebody by the hand and say, come on, you can make it. Come on, God's for you. Come on, don't give up now. Come on, you've come too far to quit. I was born for that. That's why I've got the Holy Ghost. You didn't get the Holy Ghost so you could come and feel good. You got the Holy Ghost so you could help somebody. So you could pat somebody on the back and say, it's gonna be all right. Oh, somebody praise him right now. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, it's 1210. I'm going to act like uh, we're on uh, mountain time. <laughs> so, I guess I should preach a message called Just a Few Things on My Mind. <laughs> Because you know what I'm thinking now? Cheryl and Shayla are in Baltimore. I have nothing to go home to. In fact, I think I'll preach the rest of the day. Whenever you got to get to it, you just go on. Well, I'll try to hurry. But let me say this. A brother's born for adversity. You know what that means? That means there are times... When the reputation of our brother may be in question. Adversity. I'm not just talking about losing your job. I'm talking about them failing. Them falling flat on their face. Adversity. There are some times when their reputation may be in question. And it may cross our mind to say, you know what, I sure wouldn't want their reputation rubbing off on me. But let me remind you of the one you're going to stand before and you're hoping he says, well done. Let me remind you that you didn't have much of a reputation either when he made himself of no reputation to get you by the hand and pull you out of sin. Now that doesn't mean for me to go and get drunk at the bar so I can get people saved. Uh-oh. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? But if everybody recoiled because somebody made a mistake, they'd never get up. In fact, let me, let me read this. Galatians 6 and 1. Brothers, 
if a man be overtaken in a fault. That doesn't mean somebody, that doesn't mean he lost his job. That means he's messed up. Ye which are spiritual, do what? Talk about it. Put it on Facebook. Put it all over the phone. Text everybody you know. No. You, anybody that's spiritual, what do you do? Restore him. You were born. You were born for somebody's adversity. You're in this church. Saved, ticket punch to heaven. But you're also saved because somebody may need you today. Oh, praise God. Ye who are spiritual, restore such a one. How? In a spirit of meekness. What should be going through your head? Considering yourself. In other words, don't think about what they did, how bad it is. Consider if that was you going through that. Would you be talking about this if it was your son? What would you be saying if that was your daughter? Yeah. 1 Peter 4 and 8, and above all things, have fervent, and fervent, the word means heat, have heated charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12, hatred stirs up strife, but love covers Love is not a stamp of approval. Love doesn't say we agree with what happened, but it prevents us from capitalizing on somebody's failing to elevate ourselves. Love says, I'm going to help you out. In fact, I hurry. Satan is the official. He is the official. He has the tag. He has the medal. Anybody know what he's the official? He's the official accuser of the brethren how about we not help him out with his job boy it's getting quiet (laughs) one thing's God one thing God hates while you're talking about all the issues with society let me remind you one thing God hates is a sower of discord among the brothers. I'm glad to be in the church. I've sat across the desk and across the table and across the room from people that wept and said, Pastor, I don't want to say anything about this because I'm embarrassed so bad. Their shame is evident in the room. But you know what? This ought to be the safest environment for us to obey the scripture where it says, casting your care on the Lord but expressing your thoughts one to another. This ought to be the safest place for somebody to come and say, Pastor, I'm battling with this. Would you help me pray? Would you give me a book to read? Would you pray with me through this? This ought to be the safe. And I know we feel like somebody's going to take advantage of us or or somebody's going to go tell somebody. No, I'm glad to be in the church. Oh, somebody clap your hands and worship and praise the Lord for a minute. Uh, so, 
The family of God was born for adversity. Everybody say born for adversity. Not only that, but we ought to dwell in unity. Psalms 133 verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant for brothers to dwell together in unity. I want to tell you the things that unite us are greater than the things that divide us. And every once in a while, brothers and sisters can get mad at each other. It was that way in your house. Siblings sometimes have, oh, but you know what? Bless God, blood's thicker than water. We may gripe with one another, but bless God, don't try to get between us. Somebody's going to get hurt. It's interesting to note, and they can come to the music, I'm about half done. Notice I didn't say I was closing. For all you that are keeping score. When I, somebody's getting that laughing spirit. I think that's that laughing spirit, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody say amen. It's interesting as we draw this service to a conclusion. Genesis 35, when Isaac died, it says his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. I know that may not mean much to you. When Isaac died, his sons, Esau and Jacob, buried him. Well, sure they ought to bury him. That's their dad. That's their dad. Notice the Bible says when Abraham died, his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him. Well, they ought to. That's their dad. Well, when I say the words... Esau and Jacob, you need to know that that was a rocky relationship. When I say the term Isaac and Ishmael, you need to know they're still fighting to this day. But there were times when nothing could get between those brothers. And it was when they were focused on their father. In fact, Esau said to Jacob, when Jacob stole his birthright, or at least connived, because they steal his name, thief or supplanter, so I guess steal is a good word. When he stole Esau's birthright, Esau states, when my daddy dies, I'm going to kill you, Jacob. I want to tell you something. The only way you can kill your brother is for your father to die. The only way for you to treat your brother with malice, hatred, saying the things you say to him, are you hearing what I'm telling you right now? I'm talking about people in your family or people in this church. The only way you can hate them like that is if the father is dead. Let me say something to you. There's nothing more dangerous for you than letting God die in your heart. Because when the father dies... There's no end to the hatred that can get a hold of you. But while daddy's alive, there's some things we can focus on. Yeah, I know Craig's not perfect, but you know what? We got a wonderful dad, don't we? He loves both of us. He died for both of us. He gave his life that I might be saved. But the minute daddy dies... The minute I think that salvation's only for me, Daddy loves me more than he loves him, then I can take advantage of him. I can talk about him. Oh, the blood of Jesus, how precious it is.
how wonderful it is to be cleansed from all sin. How great it is to be a part of the body of Christ. Somebody say amen. In the book of Ephesians, Ephesians, the whole book is about the unity of the church. In fact, the word together appears seven times. Gathered together, quickened together, raised us up together, made us sit together, we are framed together, we are builded together, and we are joined together. In fact, furthermore, to promote that theme of unity, Paul employs the word one. One. One new man, one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of us all. (laughs) So... There's nobody here that's more important than the other. There's nobody here that's bigger than the other. We're all people that have been bought with His blood, filled with His Spirit, and we ought to be glad we're in the church. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. And so, I am indeed halfway through, but I'm stopping. The last thing I want to share with you today, not only are we born for adversity, and not only do we dwell together in unity because we have a common Father, we ought to share the blessing. It would be a shameful act of neglect to refrain from sharing our blessings with others. In fact, the scripture says, you have things that have been freely given to you. So you should freely give just as you have freely received. You know what that means? Every time the preacher preaches an anointed message, every time a saint gets up and says, we had a gas leak in our church, in our house for a long time and we were getting sick, And I want to tell you that was a miracle. Every time a saint gets up and testifies, every time a singer gets up and sings, we are standing on holy ground. Every time there is a witness in this room, whether it's by a message or a song or a testimony or when we're talking one with another, there is a blessing that is going out. Somebody's getting blessed. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. I have showed you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak. And to remember the words of our Lord Jesus. How he said. It's more blessed to give. I have to be honest with you, when I, I'm not a counselor by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I've got a good ministerial friend that said the psychology of what a church is changed when the pastor's study was then called the pastor's office. Uh, pastor's study, pastor's office. But in my feeble attempt to help people in the time of adversity, You don't get anywhere with two people taken.
This is what I want. This is what I deserve. You turn the corner when two people start giving. Even undeservedly. He doesn't deserve it, but I'm giving it anyway. She doesn't deserve it, but I'm, hey, while you're taking, nobody's going to get blessed. I came to church today to get my blessing. No, it's more blessed to give. Why don't you give somebody a blessing today? Why don't you do what you've been called to do? Walk up to somebody and say, I love you. I'm for you. If you need anything, let me know. There's people in this church that they've never gotten up and taken this microphone. But they're just as sensitive as the people who do. Because they know when somebody's struggling. I've had people walk up to me and say, Pastor, I was shocked. A brother or sister in this church walked up to me and handed me an envelope with the exact amount of money that I needed to pay the rest of my bills off. That's what I'm talking about in this church. I'm glad to be here. Is everybody perfect? Oh, no. But this is a wonderful congregation. And I want to ask you, where are you in terms of fellowship? It's tax time. I went by Brother Homer this morning. This is going through my mind too. I went by Brother Homer this morning. I said, you're looking good, Brother Homer. And he said, oh, you're, you're lying. He said, you know where all the liars go, don't you? I said, yeah, to get their taxes done. That's where they go. We just have a little brotherly fun back there. It's tax time. Cheryl said, I need you to get on the district website and I need you to print out our contributions. I need you to get with Sister Teresa. Sister Teresa, I need you to get the, you know what? I want to ask myself, where am I in fellowship? I want to tell you, I want to put my money where my mouth is. I don't just love this church because I show up every Sunday. I love this church by the fruit of giving. Oh, Brother Gene, we want to do it like like the apostles did it. Okay, everybody go sell all your stuff and bring the money to the church. You argue over the 6% you do give. You get mad about somebody dispersing the funds that you freely get. What would you do if you sold all your stuff and come dumped it in my office? Boy, you talk about chewing me up then. Some little person calls here and can't pay their rent, and I write them a $400 check, and you, bless God, I, you can't do that with my money. It ain't your money anymore. Amen. You sold it all. Anybody hear what I'm talking about? I think you need to put your money where your mouth is. Not only should you attend this church, you ought to support this church. Amen. Because unbeknownst to you, it may be your family next that says, hey, I'm fixing to get kicked out of my house. And you ought to thank God for some people that say, oh, no, we're not going to let that happen. My kid's sick. We need to have a fundraiser. You ought to thank God for a church that says, oh, we're going to make that happen. Oh, come on, stand and worship the Lord. I've said enough. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap today. 
Where am I in fellowship? Am I okay? All right. I just got to tell you one more thing. I got family members. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Well, I could probably. You'd let me. But Mother's Day, I'm sitting right here on this front pew. Father's Day, I'm sitting right here on this front pew. My mother's birthday, my dad's birthday, Easter Sunday. Oh, we always have dinner together on... I've had family members that said, well, you're the one that moved up there to Illinois. Well, no, no. I was called. In fact, if we were all in the picking mood, I'm not sure you'd have picked me to be in the kingdom. But I'm not sure I'd have picked you either. In fact, what does God pick? He picks foolish things, things that are not, weak things, despise things, things that people give up on. That's who he puts in the kingdom. How did we get here? He called us together. That's how we got here. So I'm going to make the sacrifice because I love being a part of this body, this body right here, right here, this church, right here. I'm going to support it. I'm going to be here when the doors are open. When I ask myself, where am I in fellowship? I want to be a part of his body. So we're not going to close at the altar today because I want everybody to feel the unity that we're preaching about today. And I apologize to be back next Sunday. But we'll try to get out by noon. But I want us across this auditorium today to sincerely pray that God would bind us together as a people. And whether this is your first Sunday here or you've been here every Sunday, this is a great group of people. If you've got a home church and you're just out of town, you're visiting, we're so glad you're here. But I want you to thank God for your church, your preacher, the one God's called you to preach to you and shepherd you, and the people that God has put in your life, born for your day of adversity. I want you to reach over and connect with somebody. It's your family or your wife or your children, but all across the aisles, in fact, all across the pews or the seats, I want you to pray right now. God, I thank you for the men and women. I want you to lift your voice. I want